Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So we interviewed Ziona McIntyre today. Andressa, did you enjoy the interview as much as I did? Oh my gosh, yes. I love the subject and she's so sweet. Yeah, so we, we got into all things around Airbnb, but not just Airbnb in the traditional sense, but really about managing other people's Airbnb, which really blew my mind because I'm less familiar with Airbnb. But what stuck out to me the most was she talked a lot about her path around becoming financially independent by 28. And we talk a lot about that, you know, women becoming financially independent. And I, I love the thing she said around what helped her. She was working minimum wage and she had this vision in her mind that propelled her to move past the current circumstances. And I just, it's a great reminder for myself. And I know the women that are going to listen to the episode just to keep that vision in their mind and never let go of it, regardless of their current circumstances. Yeah, hundred percent. And she was very specific. She didn't give one or two, but three options that we ladies can use when investing on Airbnb and how to manage it, what she's using to manage it, to, you know, get more gas during the lower season. Really, really cool golden nuggets. A couple of them I didn't even know. And it's so great to really get in contact with somebody that is doing owning it and managing it so she can have both perspectives. You cannot miss this episode. Enjoy, ladies. Welcome back, investors. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show. We so appreciate you being on this journey with us where we are all about helping women. Uh, we love men, but we are all about helping women uh, take their um, finances deeper, become financially free, and also live a balanced life, which is always, you know, uh, what is it? What should I say, Andressa? A challenge, a opportunity for, for a lot of us. And other people... Do it very easily. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so thank you for being back with us on another show, Jam Packed. We have Ziana on our show this uh, day. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, excited to jump into her really fascinating story. Uh, before we go there, I, uh, Andressa, would lo love to connect with what's happening for you. Yeah. How's, how are things going? What, what gems of wisdom do you have to share with us today? Oh, I always like to hear your gems of wisdom. Oh, no. I copy everything, though. Nothing. <laughs> I'm just passing along what comes to me. So that being said, uh, I am listening to uh, Mel Robbins, her book called uh, Take Control Back. What's the name of it? Let me double check. Take Control of Your Life. And I was like, I don't want to really have control of it, but I read the reviews. It was really good. And the first chapter, it just blew my mind. Mm. And I'm going to share with you guys. There's so many gold, golden nuggets there, but I'm going to share one. She's thinking about thinking small. Mm. And I was like, oh, I don't think small. I think I, I always think big, you know, mm -hmm. 10X and all of that. I have vision boards and all of that. So she was saying that when we think so, so, so big, we get overwhelmed, paralyzed, fear kicks in, and we think, 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 because we want to be in control of it. Therefore, we don't take any, any action besides the actions that we take in our own minds. So <laughs> she broke it down about the importance of thinking small thinking very, very small. She mentions like a Lego block, a brick, right? When we are building a house, it's brick by brick. And we don't know if that's the correct brick to put there on that exact spot. Yeah. There's no such a thing as a correct brick. So same thing in our lives. We just build one brick at a time. And she's like, if you think that, let's say a quick example, I want to be healthier, what can be one step further? Well, start exercising. Okay, but that's still so big. Mm -hmm. Another smaller step. Oh, 
sign up for a gym. Yeah. So it's, it's that smallest action mm-hmm. that will take you closer to your goal. And sometimes we will feel that knot, that, you know, physical sensation that our body it's aiming, it wants growth. And yeah. we don't know how to fulfill that. Yeah. She's, she was saying that the small bricks will fulfill that need of growth. Yeah. So great. highly recommend guys. She coaches the, the, the folks on, on the, on the book and it's just really amazing what you can get out of it. Yeah. I love that. It's a good reminder because we do hear so much of thinking big, right. And, yeah. and, that can paralyze people. I mean, think about it like a marathon. People aren't, you're not going to just run training for a marathon 26 miles. I mean, you'd get hurt, right? Physically hurt if that's, if you just, let, you know, walked out of your house and ran 26 miles. You start with two miles and then four and that's, you know, so it's gradual. It's, I like that. I'm going to start with five minutes. There you go. I will coach you minutes. on that. Minutes. <laughs> You will. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, good reminder for us. So without further ado, um, Ziana, thank you so much for being on our show. Uh, love to hear from you on what propelled you, especially in your 20s, uh, to start investing in real estate. So how did you get into this? Yeah. So I had like a, a great little mini step in real estate and that's using Airbnb. And I feel like that allowed me to really be intimately aware of like what I could make in my property. And so then I knew what I could afford, which I think really helped me. I think sometimes people look at a mortgage and they go, oh, can I afford $1,000, $2,000, $3,000? In theory, it might sound good, but um, it's hard to really know until you're doing it. So yeah, I think getting to know the numbers really helped me. But yeah, um, I've been doing Airbnb for gosh, I think seven years now <laughs> and oh. uh, started as a college student. So here I am. Awesome. And tell me, how did you get into it? Because we have so many different options, you know, in terms of investments, why Airbnb? So you, you started say, more or less same time as I did 2012, right? With Airbnb, yeah. which was like babish. Airbnb. Oh my gosh. I mean, I would tell people and they're like, what? I don't know what that is. So I would just stop telling people. I'm like, whatever, this is just something I'm doing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I heard about it from a friend who lived in New York City. And, you know, the cities are where people hear about things first. And so he had started doing it in 2011. And he was doing so well with it that he just kept harassing me. And at the time, I was, I was in massage school and I just didn't feel like I had time to take on anything. Um, but he told me enough times. And then after a year of him doing it, he said, you know, I made $50,000 on my apartment. And that was a crazy thought to me because he didn't own his apartment. He was just renting it. And at the time he was just like out traveling and love and life. And so I was like, okay, maybe I can just fit this in as a little side hustle. But I really never thought it would turn into owning six properties and managing properties all over the world. It just kind of became its own thing. <laughs> How did you get that first property? What, what, you know, break that, that down for us. Yeah, the one that you, did you yeah. initially, how did you start? Did you start actually when you bought the property and then you did an Airbnb or did you actually manage like one that wasn't, you know, owned by you? Which one did you, how did yeah. you start? At the time when my friend was telling me about it, I was living in a two bedroom that I was just renting. Okay. And I just, um, I had a roommate who moved away. And so I thought, well, I could get another roommate or I have this furnished room. I could just try Airbnb. If it doesn't work out, just get a roommate. No big deal. So I did. And, you know, it ended up being so good that I eventually expanded to having other rental apartments. And so for a long time, I had a one bedroom that was like 1100 a month. Our rent used to be a lot cheaper than it is now in Boulder, but I knew that, oh, okay, at 1100 a month, I was averaging like 1800 in Airbnb or sometimes a lot more, um, sometimes up to 4000 a month. And so I knew, oh, I can definitely cover 11. And so when I went to go buy my first property, the mortgage was like 960 or 980. And I thought, oh, for sure, like I can cover that because I knew already what I was spending on the rental. Um, so it was a really easy thing for me to just transition into. Mm. Great. And for everybody, you know, for a lot of people, Airbnb is still new. And yeah. they think, well, why should I do this? Because long-term tenants just stay there. They take care of the 
the the property. Yeah, no, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. I always yeah. say with Airbnb for mm-hmm. sure, you gotta make sure the tenant the the property is like sparkling clean and everything is functioning. Yeah, that's the, the other thing. But the, their main concern uh, is just that the low season, right? When, yeah. when things go slower and then people, you know, we are here in this beautiful East Coast where it snows a lot and, you know, things move. So I'm curious to hear from you. What what do you do on your lowest season to increase your your the quantity of ten, gas coming in? Yeah. So, I mean, I think managing on a few sites instead of just using Airbnb can be helpful because you're getting people from different parts of the world um, based on the reach of that website. And so I think that's a good way to go. But another thing is like, if you're choosing a location, like you're buying or you're going to go purposely rent something to re-rent, it's about finding a location that has something that's not just seasonal. I mean, every place is still going to be seasonal to a point. But it's not like being in Maui or something where it's really going to be just for that vacation place, you know, just for the beach or whatever. Um, Here in Boulder, we have a college and that brings people year round for all kinds of events and things. So I think like if you're around like a hot street or a college or um, a convention center, things like that, you can have more year round traffic. I love what you're saying. Can you share with us what websites beside Airbnb do you use? Yeah, right now I'm using HomeAway, which is also VRBO, and yeah. I use Booking.com because Booking.com recently surpassed Airbnb for the amount of rental homes they have, and so they have a really big reach. They're known for being like the biggest hotel, um, I guess, marketing website, and so they really jumped into the housing thing as well. Um, I'm thinking about expanding to a few others like TripAdvisor, but I haven't gotten there yet. Um, every time you add a website, it adds like a lot of complications to your life. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So I'd love to circle back, you know, your strategy, obviously you own some, but then you also manage them. You manage others that you don't own. Right. Yeah. So, so walk us through that process because, you know, the thought of, I understand it right. Conceptually, but yeah. I'd love to explore that, especially like the pros and cons, right? And how do you insure, you know, from an insurance perspective, or I'm just, you know, I, there's, there's an interesting piece to that. And I know that's yeah. big in the Airbnb industry. People are doing that, but walk us through that if you don't mind and how it really works, if you don't mind. Yeah. So I look at it as like three main ways that you can do Airbnb. You can buy a place, which is going to be like your riskiest and most expensive way, right? So you have to save up like 50,000 to 100,000 for a deposit, and then furniture, closing costs, the whole shebang, Mm -hmm. um, and hope it works out. Mm -hmm. Or you can go in master lease, which is like rent and re-rent. And so you still need to save up a little chunk for furniture, um, first month's rent, security deposit, but you're not gonna do like a whole purchase. So in that, maybe you're doing 10,000 or 15,000. Or you can go and you can manage a property for someone else. And what's great about that is you don't have any investment in it. You essentially go to, you know, a friend or a relative or something, and you just take a property that they're not really utilizing well, and you put it up on Airbnb for them, and you just take a percentage. So you're incentivized to get them moving and and selling it and renting it and having high rates because you're only taking a percentage of it. But right away, you can be making... You know, 500 to 1,000 a month off of like one property, depending, like that's just kind of a normal property. If you had a luxury one, it could be a lot more. So, I mean, that's a great way to go. It's just that I always recommend that people try to rent their own space a little bit first. So you're not just diving in and making mistakes on somebody else's. Right. And then what, yeah. what do you sign with the property owner, right? For, for like the, and I like how you, you presented those three options. It's really, it's very helpful for people to think through, especially our ladies listening, because um, yeah. it's not just one way. It's three different, I like that, three different ways. So the third one though, do you sign an agreement? Do you sign like, what do you yeah. sign with the owner? So to be completely honest, what I did when I started um, is at first I just had a friend and I thought, oh, you know, I don't need an agreement. But over Mm. time, every time something happens in my business, I'm like, oh, adding the line to the agreement, you know, (laughs) I mean, the hard way. 
So, I mean, what happened to me is I just decided, okay, one day I need an agreement. And so I looked online at a few different property management agreements that I just saw, like vacation rental, and I just Frankenstein them. I put them all together, what sounded good, added my name and stuff. And I edit it often, every time something comes up. So I'm probably on like revision 10, but I feel like it's pretty good. And I think some people would maybe go to a lawyer, but what I've learned over time is it's nice to have a contract, but they don't always mean a lot because some people just break them anyway. And to go through small claims or take someone to court is really more right. hassle than it's worth a lot. So it's yes, important to have one, but I wouldn't be so picky about every little line and all the language. I, co I completely agree with you. And this is quote unquote, a new industry. So we're mm -hmm. still also building those contracts and, and the laws yeah. change uh, and change from place to place. So it's just like a try and error type of type of thing. But I completely agree that we constantly are updating everything. So for the folks that are looking to, okay, great. That, that sounds like a great, great option. Do you have any other strategy where they can find, let's say, oh, but I live here in X city. That's not a good city for Airbnb or it doesn't allow. If I'm looking to uh, manage properties from other folks, how can I find them? Yeah. So I would say the first thing is that in cities where Airbnb is quote unquote not allowed, it's still usually allowed. It's just that it needs to be someone who's owner occupied. So yes. like here in Boulder, you can rent up to six months, but it has to be your primary residence. Mm -hmm. So as a manager, I can have 50 places in Boulder that I'm managing for 50 different people. Sure. So yes, you need to find more people because you're not necessarily going to be able to find one person that has five homes that you can manage, but you can still do it. So that's good to know for people. Um, to find people... You know, I mean, I think it can go about it a lot of different ways. I say it's always best to go through your direct network first. So friends and family, maybe your email list or whatever, um, let people know on Facebook, but you can put stuff up in coffee shops. You can be trolling on Craigslist. Um, I've had people before make just kind of like a template email and then shoot it off to a bunch of people on Craigslist saying, hey, you know, I see you're trying to get a long-term tenant. Would you let me manage it short-term or would you let me rent it from you? And, you know, a lot of people are going to say no, but you might just get one or two yeses. So it's good to have a template and it won't take that long to shoot off 50 of them. Yeah. Ziana, you know? I, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense too, because I think in a lot of ways, we're just taught, I mean, look at it on just this perfect example when we started, um, you know, don't think too big, think small. And I think what you're saying actually could be, you know, managing a, an Airbnb for someone else could be a great step for people, right? It's lower risk yeah. and it gets them into the game. So I'm curious from your perspective, and I can kind of think through um, where that might lead, but from your perspective, because you do both own property and you also manage for others, what is this a good stepping stone for? If, if someone does want to buy their own properties or if somebody actually wants like start like a little side hustle or they want to get into real estate or I'm curious from your perspective, for, for the women listening, I think one of the hardest things, especially for women who are really trying to get into this game of investing in real estate, sometimes it's hard to break in, right? Like you said, it's, it's sometimes really tough to just oh, save up a hundred grand and buy a property, right? Especially in this market where, yeah. where properties are a little more, good deals are a little more scarce. They're there, but they may be a little tougher to get. So what do you think from your perspective, this is a good stepping stone for like, what's that future goal? I'm listening to this. It's what's my future goal that this would be a perfect alignment, right? A perfect step towards. Yeah. I think? mean, I think it kind of just depends on what that person's goal is, but it's definitely a great step towards owning property. And what I thought of as like, I think when you buy property, it's always good to have a plan B. And what my plan B was when I was buying properties for Airbnb is like, I was looking at the numbers and saying, wow, it looks like I could pay off these properties in under five years with the Airbnb being such a high earning. And so I thought, worst case scenario, I'll just turn them to long-term later and I can have it be, you know, something that's way less work because Airbnb, it's light, but it's still a little bit of a juggle. Um, and so I think people need to know that, but um, yeah, I think it can be a great stepping stone just to learning about homes. I, I had no idea about how much 
maintenance homes require and all the things that can go wrong. And it's been a real huge lesson, but I love it as well because when I listen to traditional people in real estate to cover their income so they could quit their job, you know, they might have to buy like 17 places. You know, if you're looking at like $70,000 and people that are only buying property that's making like 200 or 300 a month. But Airbnb, I've heard of people retiring off of one property and going and living in Thailand and like loving their life. So, you know, I think it's a real game changer in this industry. Awesome. I want to, I want to break down the numbers, right? We, we, let's say with the minute, let's focus on the management part. So when, when you're managing for somebody, you mentioned, uh, um, that you charge a management fee based on the gross income, I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, no. So this is how it goes. Um, in, in the properties, when they're listed online, there's a cleaning fee and there's a nightly rate. Yes. And we're doing it off the nightly rate because I don't know. Oh yeah. I guess that's gross. <laughs> I don't, I always get confused with gross and that. Okay. See everyone, you don't need to be perfect at math. To be exactly. a good no. <laughs> totally fine. Yes. For, for the, so I, I'm a big fan of like setting the expectations, right? And, yeah. and because even though uh, you're managing it, uh, I'm assuming who is responsible for furnishing the place uh, that it will be the, the, the owner in yeah. this case. Great. Yeah, unless you're renting and, and doing it. Great. So the owner will furnish the place and you get it up and running. In terms of setting expectations, we all know that when we start a brand new, uh, if, you are, if you don't have a history, right? Let's assume that you don't have a history with other properties on Airbnb. It takes a little bit of time to build the the uh your quote, quote unquote your credentials and get as super host so how many months would you say um the 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 homeowner or the person that you are partner up with can expect to really get at least uh you know the the amount the rent amount that you you set up at the beginning or or cash flow more than the long term rental Yeah. So I try to be really careful about quoting what a place can make. And I usually go a little bit on the low side of what I think, because I think people really get attached to a number that you share with them. Yeah. You really (laughs) don't want to promise anything because gosh, we have no idea what's going to happen. Even just if like a recession comes along or anything like that. Um, So I think usually the first month is going to be a little bit shaky in anybody's listing. Airbnb does a really good job of promoting a brand new listing. So you usually can get like two or three bookings right out of the gate. They want to give you a little momentum. Yeah. But after that, if it's not priced well, if the pictures aren't nice enough, it's really easy to drop to the bottom and get a little bit like lost. Um, there are a few things you can do for SEO on Airbnb. You can be responsive under an hour. You can change your pricing, like update your calendar every day. And you can also have friends click on it. So the more clicks and the more wish lists that people add it to, um, which is kind of like favoriting it, um, will make you show up higher. So, you know, right away, get it out to all your friends and family, just tell them to look at it um, and put it on Facebook and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think the first month, yeah, it's hard to know, but after that you can really get going. And if you're strategic, usually places are busy through the summer because pretty much all over North America, people are really traveling with their kids in the summer. So if you list it in the spring and have the whole momentum of the summer carry you through, you're going to do a lot better than if you list it in the fall or the winter. So we don't always have that choice, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned earlier about Airbnb can take sometimes a little more work. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a big conversation for real estate investing because a lot of people don't talk about the work that happens after any property is bought. (laughs) It's always like Airbnb or multifamily or apartment buildings. And then people don't even like think about all the work that has to happen after the day of closing or uh, after the the contract is signed. Really, that's where the work. The hard work starts. Yeah. And I I just don't, I think people like have this, you know, vision in their mind that, oh, it's no big deal. So I want to go back to that because I don't, I want, I would love to just dissect that a little bit. What, when you said that, right, what does that even look like? Does it, you know, and I know that a lot of the things you've done 
has been automating your business, which is awesome. And I know Andres is a big, big fan of too. But what it, when it comes to like the Airbnb management, right? The work that has to go yeah. into it. Um, I'm curious to hear from you. What have you found to be, you know, the big things that need to get focused and, you know, and how do you streamline some of that? And, you know, does that um, something that continually needs to get updated and improved and just kind of get some insight from you? Because that's the real part of this, right? It's not just the, the, you know, put it up on Airbnb and put your thumbs up. I'm sure that's not how it works. Yeah, not exactly. I mean, I gotta say it's not rocket science. There's a lot of like small things that you can fine tune over time. But that's the cool thing is that I find it to be very accessible. Um, but it is work, you know, and so I think when you're first getting started, you don't have the ability to leverage as much um, because you have one property and you might have a small margin. So you're doing it all yourself. Basically, mm. guests are, they're expecting you to be very responsive and messages might come in at all hours of the night. So it's like, you know, a guest might try to check in after midnight, you might be asleep and they're expecting that you're going <laughs> to on that they can't get in the, the, the house for whatever mm. reason, you know? So there's things like that where I think I've gotten a lot of freedom in my life, but one thing that's always around is my phone. And, you know, I have an international plan and everything because I always <laughs> have to be within like, just check it every hour or something like that. Okay. So in some ways that's something you're giving up, but it's not the end of the world. And, you know, you can automate some messages where you've got saved replies for common questions or for the Wi-Fi or the house manual or things like that. So over time you get kind of smarter and quicker with it. Um, the other thing is cleaning. I mean, I think cleaning is yes. the backbone of this industry and it can really break you. Mm. And I think it's a little challenging sometimes because a lot of people don't dream of being a cleaner in their lives. You know, it's kind of like, yeah. I actually for, love cleaning. I love cleaning. See, I, I would hire you. <laughs> no, no, no. Liz will take like hours and hours, like in and out. Yeah. No, I got issues. No, there's clear issues here, but go on. I'm interrupt you. Liz would be like, no, hold on a second. I need to knead down here because this floor here, look, look, there's this. No, I'm crazy. No, that's just, that's for another day, another time, but sorry to interrupt you. No, that's the making of a good cleaner. (laughs) Honestly, now when I'm hiring cleaners, I'm hiring people not based on experience. I'm hiring them on attitude. You know, someone who is excited about making a relationship with the home so that they really know when something's out of place or, or weird yeah. or broken or missing. Um, someone who really takes pride in their work, wants to like stage it, has a cool eye for style. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had so many people that just like leave pillows upside down and all kinds of weird stuff. And you're like, what is this? You know, <laughs> but I think expectations have gotten higher and higher about Airbnb. And so it's keeping up with that. And then, you know, you have the whole maintenance piece as well, which I think everybody can relate to in real estate, but you know, that trifecta is, it's more than what most people are dealing with. Yeah. I want to, I want to just follow up on what you're saying for the cleaning, because it's so important. We're not looking for somebody that knows how to clean. It goes a little bit beyond, and that's why we pay a little higher uh, for that because if something's broken, if something is missing, if there's no enough supply, we got to know. Yeah. Somebody that really like, oh, hey, your coffee here, you're running low or whatever, depending on your market you are offering to your guests. We all need this instant feedback and make sure that it's there. But I think it's such a great opportunity, though, Liz, if you want to join <laughs> for people, because it's a for sure job. If somebody wants to have that, it's not like, oh, once, in a, once a month you come and you clean my house. No, it can be multiple times a month. It is multiple times a month. It can be multiple times a week, depending on how long the person stay. But it's still as you were saying, it's based on the attitude and where people see it because we cannot rely just because somebody knows how to clean the property. How do you guys find cleaning people for your units? Is there like a clearinghouse? I'm getting a little bit of a business idea in my head. (laughs) Oh, I mean, honestly, 
I think if, <laughs> if you have the right attitude and can manage people and train them, being starting an Airbnb cleaning company is way more lucrative than what I'm doing. <laughs> because I, I got a girl started um, like maybe three years ago and she surpassed what my business was making in like a year. And I mean, granted, they clean maybe like 80 places now. She's sure. Yeah, their out. volume is huge. But she might have 20 cleans in one day and she's just got an army. But she's also got, I mean, there's just a lot of issues with people don't show up or people are happy so with different. cleans. And, you know, you really Absolutely. have to be a good organized manager. Sure, sure. In that way. If it's Saturday, Sunday, holidays, or you have yeah. Different, yeah. different issues going on. So there are, um, we have lo here in Philadelphia, I have local companies and have national companies. Um, but I, I haven't had the need to hire them and, uh, to do that yet. Mm -hmm. Yet we'll see, okay. but yeah, I think that they're, they're doing great for, for the management piece. Um, are you using any specific website like Gasty or any other platform to kind of like one, one stop shop, you see everything what's going on? Yeah. So Gasty is exactly what I use. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, Hello, I recognize you. Um, yeah. So Gasty, I'm, I'm very lucky because I started with Gasty when they were like beta and we were just testing them oh, and they've nice. grown to be huge. I even went to their festival last year, Guesty Ball in Israel. Awesome. And they're, they're a really cool team. They're, they're very family oriented and I think they do a great job. Mm -hmm. um, the thing about Guesty is that it's kind of expensive now if you don't have like the grandfathered rate. So I'd say that my favorite that I recommend to people is Orbi Rental. Yeah. Um, that one, they're more of a tech company. I feel like Guesty started on the receptionist side and then they ended up building out property management software. And I just don't know that they had exactly like a great vision. Sometimes they push out features that are not quite ready and it's just mm -hmm. a little bit messy, but I've been with them forever. And to pull out with like 25 properties, like, no, I'm never doing that. <laughs> so they've got me, but um, there are so many cool competitors coming up. So I do recommend demoing with a couple before you choose one, but I've heard Orbi rental is pretty affordable. And when I saw, I did a demo with them and I thought, wow, they're really tech forward. It's easy to use. Um, and what is this software for ladies? What is, like for the, yeah. for, not familiar. So, if you have property management software, it can help you with a lot of things. So it can automate messages for you. It can okay. automatically schedule your cleaners by like sending okay. them a text. It can pull all of the listings into a central place and then you can from there move them to different websites. And so it'll do it automatically for you rather than you having to like pull up Airbnb and HomeAway and like copy everything. Yeah, um, it gives you like a centralized inbox. There's just lots of features. It pulls but it all together. Okay, totally. It's great. Um, but yeah, Guesty has receptionists as well. They have like a separate arm of their business. And that's awesome. When you get up to over like five properties, it's a lot of messages. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's great to look at that maybe down the line. Mm -hmm. But um, there's not too many companies doing that yet. Yeah. So I love that you, that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that too. Because I think for folks that, because I've been more in the multifamily space, we don't have any Airbnb, you know, properties. So yes. you're like, I'm like, what's guesty? What, what is that? You know? Yeah. Um, but from a, from a perspective, you manage properties across the country, right? And this, and this whole process the last seven years has given you this financial independence. And we talk a lot about that. You know, it's one of our, it's one of our goals on this podcast, right? One of our passions, one of our missions is to help women be more financially independent or be financially dependent. Would it not dependent, excuse me, be financially dependent on another person. No, that's not what we're all up to. <laughs> be independent and live a balanced life and a healthy life, right? So yeah. I'm curious to hear from your perspective, because I think anyone at any age can do this. It just, the, the challenges, the, the, what we're all facing differs, right? Whatever yeah. stage of life we're in and whatever we're up to. So you were in your twenties. Um, you had this goal. 
So how did you embark on, I want to be financially independent? Like, what was your process? What did that look like? Did you write yeah. down where your expenses are, what, what you want it to look like? I'm just curious to hear that because I don't think we break that down enough for people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just this outside idea of being financially independent, but what does that really mean and look like to each of us? So I'm curious for you, what, what, what did that path look like for you and how did you embark on it and, you know, dissect it and move towards it? Yeah, I think for me, my interest in finance started pretty young. Um, Both of my parents weren't that good with money. And I just saw how many ups and downs and struggle we had. Um, And I just thought, gosh, it can't be like this for everybody. It didn't seem like it was. And so I knew from an early age that I just wanted to try to do something different and try to get educated. And I just felt like there's secrets out there that we don't know, you know. Um, So when I was like 18, my mom and I got into Susie Orman and we were like reading her books and watching her show. Um, And even though I think she's a little too conservative now, I thought it was a great way to get me in the door. I started my Roth IRA and like just started paying off Mm -hmm. debt. Um, And it was just giving me those concepts. Um, From there, it took me a couple years, but I ended up finding a blog called Mr. Money Mustache. Mm. He's just like a personal finance guru. He retired at 30 and that was 2011. So even before I was doing Airbnb and yeah, I mean, I just thought, okay, that's cool. I want to do what he's doing. I want to retire at 30. I think I was 26 and I maybe 25 and I thought, gosh, I have no idea how I'm going to do that. I had like $50,000 in student debt and all kinds of things and working minimum wage, but I thought, whatever, it's a goal, you know, if I keep this in my mind, maybe I can do it. And what their goal had been is having 600,000 in an index fund, which was producing about 25,000 for them a year. And that was him, his wife and his child all living off of that Wow. with a paid off house. Wow. So they were living between, you know, 20 and 2,500 a month. And I was a student, so I was like, oh, I can do that. You know, I was living really frugally already. So some of those principles he was teaching were pretty easy for me. Mm. And what I didn't expect that I ended up learning along the way is, yes, you can make that money from an index fund completely passively, which is a great option, or you can do it with real estate. And I ended up getting that $2,500 a month passively very easily with Airbnb. And so, yeah, it really changed my life. Um, I was able to be financially independent by 28. And yeah, now I just tinker for fun, I guess. (laughs) Sometimes I ask myself. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. I think there's, you know, and I think, you know, I think there's so many different philosophies out there. Like you mentioned, Suze Orman and and then you got like the Suze Orman philosophy and like the rich dad philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because they're two very, very different philosophies on, on you, know, you know, just moving towards financial independence. But regardless, I think you're absolutely right. Like getting a process, getting a strategy in place. And all of us can do that, like the small steps, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, what does that look like for you? And then, you know, I always tell people, a lot of people who want to quit their job, and, you know, leave their job and really do investing full-time or get into real estate full-time, you know, and I'm like, well, what are your expenses? I don't know. Well, that's definitely the first thing you got to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, and it's like, and they're like, oh, that's a great point. I'm like, you didn't think of that, you know, but it's yeah. true. It's like, it's really helpful to know what is your nut. And if you're like pregnant, what will your nut be when you have your child, exactly. right? Exactly. Not now. Yeah. Cause your life shifts and changes and and then yeah. you're like, oh, I can't, I need to move because we need a little more space. Okay, what will that look like? So our life evolves, but I think starting really small and knowing what you need in the bank, um, you know, and needing what, you know, so just being able to break it down and having a clear, clear goal. I think that's awesome. You did that and you went after it. And I love that you said where you were making minimum wage, um, X, Y, and Z. And then you're like, no, I have this vision of where I want to be. And yeah. I, love it. I love that you said that because so many people look at what they have. You know, and the ladies listening to this today, you're looking at what you have. And I sometimes, I'm like that too, where you look at what is going on today and you get stuck there, right? You get kind of focused on that versus where do you want to be? And you did, and you kept that vision in your mind and you moved towards it. And that had to make a difference. That had to propel you to achieve the goals you did. There's no question. You didn't just every day wake up 
focused on minimum wage. You didn't. You, you, you couldn't have in order to achieve what you've achieved. So keeping that vision is so important, right? I mean... Yeah, I mean, a little nugget. Oh, sorry, Andres. No, go ahead, go ahead. Quick. Yeah, for me, I had always had this vision. I loved to travel. And I was like, gosh, I really want to be like location independent and like living in different hostels and like working on my computer and being out at coffee shops and like just being on the road, traveling around. And I thought, gosh, that's only going to be for like people that are in tech, you know, some kind of programmer or whatever. And that was never my interest. So I thought, gosh, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I held that vision. And I remember where I was even standing when I realized, Mm -hmm. and I was like, after being in Airbnb, maybe a year, I realized like, oh my God, I'm doing the thing. Like I had the vision, this Airbnb thing lets me sit on a beach and make $800 from a random reservation. You know, like I can be anywhere. And like just holding the vision and not knowing how you're going to get there and not getting in your own way is very powerful. I love that. I always share with people that my number one goal is to work, quote unquote, work from whatever I am with whomever I I want, (laughs) whatever I am with whomever I want, whatever I want. That's the, the, the freedom one thing that I want to break it down when you were becoming financially free or planning on doing that, did you make any sacrifices? Did you cut the coffee or what, what were the things that you did? Because hear me out. It's very difficult to become financially free. If you have a Bentley that you're paying X, I don't even know, like lease a month. If you really need to wear Louis Vuitton shoes or whatever that might be, right? So yeah. what are what are the things that you did that for you made a difference? Yeah, for a long time, I had two Airbnbs that were both rentals. And literally, I would just go between the two. It was like whenever one booked, I always had my suitcase, suitcase packed. And if they both booked, I was out staying with a friend and I was doing trading for babysitting. I was doing mas- massage trade. You know, I was just hustling. And that was like two years of my life of just like, well, somebody just booked it five hours from now. I got to be out of here. But it allowed me to quit my job, not have any student loans, like do whatever I wanted in the middle of the day. And at that time, I was mostly cleaning them, too, because it was like, okay, this is another 40 bucks for an hour or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it was just that hustle of like, I have a goal. I know where I'm going. This is only temporary. Like, I'm just going to do it. I'm, I'm happy to make those sacrifices. But, you know, I still had a car. I had a smart car. It was kind of an older one. And they're very good on gas and just like fun to drive. But I biked a lot. I cooked a lot at home. I, I started making a lot of friends that had flexible schedules. And we would just, yeah, meet at each other's houses and cook meals together. And it didn't feel like a big sacrifice. But sure definitely just a different mindset and finding people that like are that way as well. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And having the courage to having the courage to go against the grain, I think, because, you know, there's so many messages out there, like, you know, what, what is everyone's life should be? I mean, if you, if you yeah. get into like the, the, you know, kind of like keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak, you know? Yeah. I still and, watch Kardashians. It's okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But uh, yeah, my mom calls it the smut TV, but no, it's good stuff. So it's very entertaining, but it's true though. Like, I, I mean, I remember when, when my husband and I, um, moved, he was working at the time and then he decided to quit his job right after we got married. But at the time we could have afforded a a bigger home with a bigger mortgage. And I looked at him and I'm like, if you're going to quit your job in three months, you know, we're going to really get, give a go to this real estate thing. You know, I think we need to live below our means. Um, and you know, that was the best decision we ever made hands down, yeah. you know, and I think about the decisions we made in the sacrifice or, and it's not like we didn't have a house. Right. So, I mean, I was grateful yeah. that we had, a, I mean, it was a beautiful house, you know, um, it, it just wasn't what all my friends were doing, but that's okay. Yeah. Right. And I think we all need to, and the women listening, we all need to have the courage to know what we want, know where we're going and not like feel bad about it or be like, give an excuse around it or not be comfortable with it, I should say, because it's a different lifestyle. I mean, you know, when you, yeah. you know, I think when you kind of go against the grain and it's not the, the corporate, what everyone else does. 
Yeah. I have well, conversations you know, with people all the time and it's like, they're just looking at me sometimes that I have like three heads, you know, and then I just change the subject to <laughs> my yeah. child going into kindergarten and then I just change the subject and then get back to something they can relate to, you know? For sure. But I didn't mean to I, interrupt you. I think there's so many like good meetups and stuff now. Like I feel like the fire movement has become really big, which is the financial independence retire early. There's mm. just like a bunch of bloggers in that space, a lot of podcasts, just a lot of people that are trying to do it in a shorter period of time. Um, and so if you go to those kinds of meetups and have those kinds of friends, it really propels you to like share information and, and do it faster with each other. So yeah, you might have to leave some of those friends behind or spend less time with them or whatever, but I think it's worth it if that's really important to you. And it's the same with real estate. You know, you can go geek out at all those meetups too. (laughs) This is great. This is wonderful. Um, before you share, um, a little bit about you and where people can find you. I know you said uh, when we were, you know, communicating earlier about um, a free gift. So if you don't mind, mention that. I think you said something about um, giving 10% off, like a, I think like a consulting session where you can help people manage yeah. Airbnbs. Okay. So yeah, share, share with the, the woman listening where they can find you, learn more about all the cool things you're up to and where they might be able to tap into that um, 10% off working with yeah. you. Um, so my name's ZionaMcIntyre.com. So you'll probably put that in the show notes. Um, but I have a blog there and like my shopping list and books I read and stuff like that. So it's just a good resource. Um, but I do consulting calls. I can do them one-on-one or if you want to do like a group with a couple of friends. Um, and yes, I'd be happy to offer 10% off as a gift for your listeners. So if they just mention the podcast name, they can email me through um, my website. And that's a great way. Yeah, that'd be fun. Those are actually my favorite because it's like, it puts me on the spot and I have to be like, all right, what do I know? Here we go. <laughs> Very fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and all this information, ladies, uh, is going to be on our show notes. So you don't need to rush to get paper and pen. Uh, we're going to go over our fabulous three questions. Are you ready, Ziana? Sure. Let's do it. All right. The first one is, what's the most transformational book you have ever read? Yeah. You know, I mean, I I might mention too, I really love spiritual books, like magic books, but um, the one that I love the most is Way of the Peaceful Warrior. It's an older book, but I'd say, look it up. It's so good. Um, And so, yeah, it just, I think it like inspires you to think differently and like the power that you have within. Um, I think mental state is really important. If I was going to be like serious business book, um, there's this one called Never Split the Difference. Um, I think it's Christopher Voss. Yes. And I, I always recommend that to people because negoti- it's all about negotiation. And negotiation is so important. I mean, I think we use it every single day. And so many people are afraid to do it. But man, it, it really can change your life if you have that skill in the bag. So I definitely still need to keep working on it. Yeah, he is awesome. Yeah. And when I heard about the name, I was like, well, that's unfair. Because fair is splitting the difference, right? But he was a FBI hostage negotiator. So he could never split the difference. (laughs) So I was like, okay, and now I understand why was it. But amazing book. I completely agree with you. Our second question is, what's the most powerful routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life? Hmm. Um, I think the most powerful thing is to really set myself up in the morning. So, you know, I think there's days where I feel really busy and it's like easy to be like, okay, I'm up at seven o'clock. Like, what if I just like got an extra hour of emails in and really my days are the best when I set time aside, meditate, write gratitude things, do my boyfriend and I, we do tea ceremonies in our home. But it's just that like grounding, slow kind of Zen thing that really is something you can carry through to your day. And I feel like it affects how my employees are working. It affects how much chaos comes into my inbox. It affects like all the fires I have to put out. I don't know, but I think so much of it is energetic. So that's what I would say. A hundred percent. What's a tea ceremony? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we, Sorry. yeah, no, it's totally cool. We practice like a Chinese lineage. It comes from Taiwan. Um, and it's just a way of pouring tea. You know, I mean, I think maybe you've heard of like geishas that do like Japanese tea ceremony and it's very precise about how you hold the cup and everything. Wow. 
the Chinese one is, is a lot more um, relaxed, but there's still ways about turning the bowls and mm. we do three bowls in silence and we drink special teas and cool. That's yeah, awesome. it's peaceful. That's awesome. super cool. Yeah. Well, where do you live, Liz? Maybe I'll come to you one day. <laughs> I'd love it. <laughs> PA, New Hope, Pennsylvania. Come on over. I yeah, love, okay. I love that. And the book that I mentioned at the beginning, she talks about slowing down, slowing yeah. down your mind. And because that's going to calm things down and make you really think, well, what's the next brick that you can um, start building? And that's, she mentioned those, those things too. So the last question is, which women, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Oh, um, I would say my, the one that comes to mind is Paula Pant. And I don't know if you guys know her. She has a blog called Afford Anything. And um, she is in that like early retirement space as well. She writes about that, but she also writes about owning rental properties. And um, I remember reading her blog when I was 28 and I was reading some older ones, but I think we're about a year apart or something. And she was 28 and she had bought her first properties and I was already doing Airbnb for a while. And I was like, dang it, if she can do it, I can do it, you know? And I really think that was the thing that made me buy, um, reading her blogs about it. And so, yeah, really cool to like have models your own age. Absolutely. And Paula, she was on our podcast already, and we're going to put on our show notes uh, the episode so you guys che can check her, her episode out as well. Mm. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Ziona, thank you so much for being on our show. Uh, just love the path you're on. It's really cool. You know, I think it's just very inspiring. And, you know, appreciate your time, appreciate you sharing all your great insight into all the different things we talked about. So thank you for being here and thank you for sharing all your great nuggets of wisdom. Thank you so much. This was really fun. Yeah. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.